Good morning, everyone. I'm Angela Davis, and you're listening to NPR News. So glad you could join us today. Election Day is different than it used to be, thanks to early voting and mail-in voting options. But the day when ballots need to be cast is fast approaching. It is Tuesday, November 7th. That's just a week and a half away. So today, we're going to continue our coverage of what's at stake with this year's election. You know, last Thursday, we talked about school board elections. We took a look at what school board members do, why these races are attracting more candidates and requiring more fundraising and and why these previously kind of sleepy contests have become so contentious. If you missed that conversation, you can still listen to it on my podcast. Just search for NPR News with Angela Davis wherever you get your podcasts. Today, this hour, we're going to focus on city councils and, and county commissions across Minnesota. I'm going to talk to a couple of city government reporters who write for the Pioneer Press and the Star Tribune. We'll discuss the role local government leaders play in important decisions that affect how we live. And as I talk with my guests, I definitely want to hear from you, too. What matters most to you when it comes to the leaders of your local government? Are there issues or candidates that you're following? And if you're someone who attends city council meetings, what's it been like to approach your council members with a question or a concern about your community? The phone line are open and you can call us at 651-227-6000. Again, the number is 651-227-6000 or call us at 800-242-2828. Let's bring in our guest. Fred Mello is here. Fred is a reporter for the Pioneer Press in St. Paul. He covers the St. Paul Mayor's Office and the St. Paul City Council. Welcome back to the program, Fred. Good to see you. Thanks for having me, Angela. Of course. I always enjoy uh, talking with you. Dave Oreck is also here. Dave is a reporter for the Star Tribune in Minneapolis. He covers Minneapolis City Hall and city government. Dave, nice to meet you. I've been reading you for years as well. Thanks. It's good to be here. All right. So first, you know, I I feel like the the two of you have definitely been very busy uh, for the last few years uh, covering all that's going on, particularly, you know, in politics. Let's start with how you've seen your your specialty or your beat in journalism, as we call it. How have you seen it sort of change over the last few years? What's what's different now, do you think, compared to when you were writing about city councils and mayors and maybe even the state legislature and, and the, the issues, the local issues that that people were all worked up about. Like, what have you? What do you feel is different now about your job, Fred? Um, part part of what's changed is just the diversity, the demographic makeup of the city council and of of the people who are kind of reaching out to that city council and saying, "Represent my issues." When I started covering the council, the St. Paul City Council in 2010, there was one man of color uh, on the council, Melvin Carter. You know, he later went on to become mayor. There was one woman. Uh, we're in an election now where may we may, and the emphasis on the word may, see a city council that's all female and that's all women. Uh, I'm sorry, that's all, all, all female and all women. Yeah, yeah. that too. <laughs> that's but it. that's all female and is maybe six people of color, I'm guessing, uh, uh, and one, one Caucasian person. So, so that's that a demog- big change. That's a huge demographic. Uh, and shift. that's just been you know, 10, 12 years. Um, so the candidates who are running and the candidates who, in many cases, are winning, that is, has changed a lot. People are really saying it's it's time for something new. It's time for something different. I've seen a police sergeant who was the longest serving you know, city council member ever, very conservative relative to the council, retire and get replaced by a woman who says she's an aspiring abolitionist um, and would like to defund the police. She now holds his seat. 
So, so that change already happened. It's not mm-hmm. kind of hypothetical. But I think you're going to see a little more of that. Um, mm-hmm. So the the diversity in terms of skin color and ethnicity and race and religion, but also in terms of ideologies. Right, right. And and Dave, what do you think is different uh, for you in the work that you're doing and, and the way you were approaching it and, and covering and, and writing 10 years ago? Yeah, I, everything that Fred said, as well as age, too. There's a lot of young mm-hmm. candidates and, and young city council members in both cities now. Um Ideology comes with that. And, you know, these are democratic dominated cities. And the battle now is largely between the, the left and the farther left. In Minneapolis, we have a battle between, you know, relatively moderate, more traditional Democrats and much more progressive candidates. St. Paul is seeing that as well. We're, we're seeing that uh, probably going to spread out some of the larger cities. It exists in Duluth as well, I know. And, that's of the political ideology. The nuts and bolts of it all, I think, you know, social media has changed everything. Right? Oh, yes. Yeah. And social media changed things in ways that I don't think we really saw coming, right? Barack Obama's first election was the first one where Twitter sort of maybe got voters activated and stuff like that. But the the way we've now changed our discourse on social media the good and the bad from people doing their own sleuthing and, and sharing information they've come up with to the vitriol and lack mm-hmm. of humanity that we see, I think uh, has has bled into the way candidates run for office. The other thing we have is we have early voting and we have ranked choice voting in the two cities. Oh, oh you brought up ranked choice voting. <laughs> <laughs> I remember covering that, that, which, you know, can be confusing, but yes. it, it's spreading. Right. Yes, yes, it's definitely spreading, especially in areas that that lean left across mm-hmm. the country. But it it changes the dynamic, and in some cases, it can change the outcome of of who's going to win because you have people who win enough mm-hmm. votes to lead, but not win in the first round of voting, and then the second round of of voting of votes get counted, and then somebody else ascends to the top. That that does happen on occasion. Fred, uh, Dave used a, a word that made me think of something. He talked about discourse. Uh, I care a lot about civil conversations. Yeah. And so have you noticed a change? Like how, how well are people doing in terms of when they, they sit down and like maybe you're covering a city council meeting? Are we doing better at listening to one another and trying to, you know, to compromise and, and therefore – we can like move forward with some action. Has has that gotten any better? Or is that different? You're making me shift in my seat over here. Oh, <laughs> you changed your posture. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think it's better in St. Paul than Minneapolis. Just from you know reading yeah. Dave's work, I'm going, oh <laughs> man, things are wild over there. Uh, no, I mean St. Paul's you know smaller. They call it St. Small. Uh, you have a lot of fifth generation families. It it mm-hmm. tampers down some of the heat. I think when you're going, I have to live the, next to this person, work with this person year after year. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've noticed times where there'll be a discussion over property taxes and a guy will stand up and in the audience and the city council, they're at the mic, they're talking to each other, mm-hmm. public hearings over and he's going, no, I'm not finished. And he's, you know, rushing to the front of the stage oh, going, my. you were going to listen to me. I've seen that m- a little bit more, I think mm-hmm. anecdotally than I did 10, even 10 years ago. Intensity so, of emotion. And- the intensity of the emotion is, is definitely there. But um, I'm not, you know, I'm not seeing kind of the craziness that we, we sometimes see on TV and, 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 and you know, burn Hugo down, that kind of that kind of vitriol. I haven't seen that. Mm-hmm. We have seen some of that in Minneapolis. I mean, I, I wrote a story a year ago about threats against uh, city council members and, and the mayors. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is also compromise. There are cool heads that prevail. 
council members speak to each other on opposite sides of the issue in Minneapolis City Council. I know that goes on. It doesn't go on, I think, as much as people who want it to go on would like. But it it does still happen. Not everybody hates each other. <laughs> okay. Because I, when I, I look at candidates, I do care about like, what is this person's track record or how do they seem to present themselves in, in terms of being able to listen to other points of views and then, you know, reach some type of compromise or be able to work through issues. And that, that's something that's kind of hard to, to tell, to know. Um, so with the upcoming election day and uh, listeners, you're going to hear me say this a lot because I want people to vote November 7th. It's coming. Um, we're not electing a president. We're not electing a governor. So that means that typically, you know, there's less interest in voting and turning out. But um, in your experience, uh, what do these off your, uh, you know, you know, why do you think they, they, they do matter? And so how do you describe the significance of local elections? Like, you know, Dave, if you're just talking to your friends, like, you know, you should probably pay attention to who's on the ballot. Like, it's be worth your time. Yeah. What did you think of the snow removal this year? You know, how how are the oh, potholes out there? You're trying to pick a fight now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Potholes. You got my attention. Yeah. Wait a minute. There you go. Potholes, traffic lights, you know, all these, uh, depending on how the government is organized, uh, you know, your park board or the city may run the parks mm-hmm. like they do in mm-hmm. St. Paul. It can be uh, your property tax bill. They're coming up, the second installment. Um, all those things. You're going to get the phones ringing now. You said yeah. property tax. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Okay. And, and then, you know, is your rent too high? Do you think rent control could help it? Do you think rent control is a problem? St. Paul has rent control. Minneapolis is debating whether to have mm-hmm. rent control. What do you think of the police? What do you think of the reforms that have been done since George Floyd was murdered? Enough? Not enough? These Staffing are the levels issues high enough? that city council members are yep. debating. Crime. Ab- right. Absolutely. The things that if you live in a city, they affect you every day. If you work in a city, they affect you every day. If you don't, but you come in on weekends or for dinner, they're going to affect you in, in one way or another. And if you don't ever come into the city, I mean, these two cities are the economic engine of the state in a way that you can't underestimate. And their city leaders that set their budgets and spending and policies matter. Mm-hmm. So, again, why do do these local elections matter? Because these are issues, you know, uh, that are very personal, right? Yeah, Potholes. And now we have a state law uh, regarding cannabis use. And so we see city councils making decisions about where uh, people can and cannot smoke, like additional city laws on Absolutely. this. Um, and so when you talk to just people you want to or folks who know that you're a reporter, you know, what do you say to them about, you know, like local elections and why you should to, to do some research ahead of time? Yeah. I mean, you, if you have a serious concern, you're never going to get Joe Biden on the phone and you're never going to get Donald Trump on the phone. Most people don't have that kind of access. It's the it, like Dave said, it's it's really your city council person who's going to come out and say, oh, wait a second, your your driveway. They're taking part of your driveway for a road project. Let me see if I can help with that and figure out if that's legal and work with you on that. So a lot of the issues that impact your life are, are incredibly local, and it's your local elected official that you're going to be dealing with. You may never, other than like the postal service, you may never deal with a federal agency. Everyone deals with the St. Paul police. Everyone deals with, their Saint, with a St. Paul firefighter or some kind of local institution. The budgets for those departments are determined by the city council. Um, and that's hashed out with the mayor. He comes up with, with a big budget and he presents it to the council and they say, nope, nope. And then he may veto some of that decision. So all of that is local. Um, it, it has much more impact over people's lives than I think people realize. If you're just joining us, we're talking about what's on the ballot on Election Day this year. It's coming up 
Tuesday, November 7th, a week and a half. And I'm focusing on the the candidates who are running for city council uh, across Minnesota. And there are some mayor races as well, a couple of special elections for uh, county commission seats. I want to hear from you, too, wherever you live in the state. Uh, We're talking about Minneapolis and St. Paul, but I know you've got stuff going on in your communities, too. What matters most to you when it comes to the leaders of your local government and what issues or candidates are you following? If you're someone who attends city council meetings, what has been your experience? What's it been like to approach your council members with a question or concern about your neighborhood? Join the conversation. You can call us at 651-227-6000 or 800-242-2828. So let's, uh, Dave, let's just focus for a minute about Minneapolis City Council. And I was going through the list of words I could use to sort of address, like in general, when people hear Minneapolis City Council, because of so much of the news coverage, what has made, uh, you know, it into the Star Tribune and other, you know, publications um, that, uh, you know, it can be a bit of a, uh, it can be dramatic. Yeah, that's one um, word. We can come up with a lot of words it, for it. <laughs> but uh, I, I read that every city council seat is up for grabs. And that's so right. how many seats are there on the Minneapolis City Council? And, and, and what do we need to know? Kind of a, a high level. Sure. There are 13 seats on the Minneapolis City Council. And so a majority makes seven. You need at least seven for a majority. And that's what's really at stake in these elections in the Minneapolis City Council is Will there be a clear majority? If there is, will it align with Mayor Jacob Fry or will it not align with him? Currently, you kind of have a 6-5 breakdown with two swing voters, depending on how you count things. But generally, generally, Jacob Fry has a friendly majority on the city council. And if they go against him and pass something he doesn't like, he has – enough power usually to veto it, and that veto won't get overridden. Now, that could all change with this election because, like I say, it's a a close balance, and there's several races where more progressive candidates running to the left of incumbents or vying for vacant seats uh, could tip the balance of scales in favor of a much more uh, farther left majority on the city council, and that could have major impacts for everything from police funding, the way law enforcement is handled, to uh, more progressive agenda items like rent control mm-hmm. and things like that. And so I've always, ever since I've moved here, I, I moved here 30 years ago uh, to Minnesota, I've always heard that um, the, the difference in the way that uh, Minneapolis and St. Paul, the way the cities are structured, that uh, in Minneapolis, you have a strong council and a weak mayor. Well, it was until yeah. in 2021, voters in Minneapolis approved a ballot question that made it a strong mayor system. They're still trying to figure out what that really means. And in fact, there's some there's plenty of tension there. And some of the reasons you have so much drama on the Minneapolis City Council is because you have a body that used to be designed to be strong and now is is weaker. And uh, anytime somebody takes power away from you, that's frustrating. Mm-hmm. But yes, it, that's the way it was, whereas St. Paul had the more of the strong mayor weak council system. And we have some people on the Minneapolis City Council who have said, I'm not running for re-election. Yeah, th- there's two people. Uh, Lisa Goodman, a longtime uh, city council member in Ward 7, which includes the Lakes area and everything, and Andrew Johnson in Ward 12 in the southeast corner uh, of the city, um, are both not running there for re-election. And in both cases, there is a decent chance that a uh, a fairly far-left candidate, there, there are serious battles going on. This race is going to be 
I can't predict anything right now between um, farther left candidates and and uh, more center left candidates. Mm-hmm. And those are those are some of the key races that will determine uh, the, the balance that I was talking about, the balance of power on the council. So again, Minneapolis as an example, but this could really happen in any city if you get this dynamic of like the majority. There's a shift, and whether or not that though that majority is in alignment with the mayor. It can really change how a city is governed and what you see happen. Absolutely. I mean, we saw in St. Paul, we've seen this with with rent control and with some of the mm-hmm. things where um, the the mayor mayor had a what Carter has had what two vetoes overridden or was it just one? Ah, Taxing my memory it's here. Yeah, it's, it's happened. Though, you know? it, it has mm-hmm. happened. Yeah. So, Fred, let's talk about what's going on in, in uh, St. Paul with the city council. I live in St. Paul. Uh, I'm aware that uh, again, every city council seat is up for election as well, and it's seven seats. It's seven seats, and four of the council members have chosen not to run for re-election. Oh, okay. Let's pause that. So they they tired. They just sitting down. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's been it's been twelve years or ten mm-hmm. years if they came in in a special election. So you have the council president, Amy Brenmoen. She's done twelve years. She's looking to move on. Chris Tolbert in Highland Park, Mike Groveland. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's done twelve years. He's looking to move on. So you, you're going to have a majority of the council turning over, mm-hmm. um, which, like Dave said, has big implications for things like rent control. Um, mm-hmm. You could uh, bat last fall, the city council voted to give uh, developers a 20 year exemption. So for new construction, if you're building a brand new building, rent control doesn't kick in for 20 years. Wow. Right. So literally every vote matters. Every vote matters. Right? So maybe they could rescind that, you know, depending upon what the makeup of the next council, council is. You you'd, uh, open up the conversation. We talked about uh, demographics changing. I read, I've read a couple of newspaper articles in the last few months that there is a possibility, uh, and you mentioned this, Fred, that St. Paul could end up with an all-woman city council. All women on the city council. Possibility. Yeah. It would be history. Uh, first time that that has happened. And um, several uh, of these uh, candidates, uh, they're running um, for these open seats, um, you know, have a good shot of winning. Like yeah. They're endorsed candidates or, or well-known. But what would that mean? I mean, that, you know, I, I don't know if you can answer that. Well, I'll tell you what it doesn't mean. Okay. It does not mean lockstep. You can have, you know, I, as you, I don't need to tell you this, but, <laughs> but just for your listeners, you can have six, seven women in a room, that doesn't mean they all agree and share the same perspective. Correct. And if, and if like I predict, you know, six of them are people of color, um, that still doesn't mean lockstep. That, um, you can, you're still going to have debates over rent control. Mm-hmm. You're still going to have d- debates over, in 2024 on the ballot, we're going to have a question about whether we should raise property taxes, lock in uh, an increase every year for 10 years to cover um, taxpayer support, property tax-backed childcare subsidies. So municipal child care subsidies, really breaking into social services, which is not something cities typically do, at least not St. Paul. That's more of a county function or a school board function or um, a state function. That's a, that's a big divisive issue. Housing, because that increases mm-hmm. the cost of housing. You're going to see you know, women, people of color, people on the left who feel strongly in favor of it. Women, people of color, people on the left uh, who are opposed to maybe not the idea of child care subsidies, but how you fund them. Correct. And so what does this mean for Mayor Melvin Carter and and how his office interacts with the city council? Because uh, he could be looking at a whole different dynamic in what he's currently dealing with. Oh, yeah. I think, I mean, he was opposed to getting that child care subsidy question on the ballot. He thought it was the wrong way to to do it um, and that it's just not ready for prime time yet. Um, He supported the 20-year exemption for rent control. Both of those things could could flip on him in terms of a, a more liberal city council, uh, different city council than the one he's he's 
discussed. Uh, though, I mean, those are two of many pinch points. But mm-hmm. uh, crime, nuts and bolts issues like how do we fill potholes, all of that's being discussed pretty hotly here. And yeah, I, I absolutely definitely do see some differences of, of opinion coming. All right. I want to bring our listeners into the conversation as, as folks are starting to call in. We're talking about what's on the ballot on Election uh, Day coming up on Tuesday, November 7th. Early voting already happening. Uh, this hour, we're focusing on candidates who are running for city council uh, across Minnesota, talking with two reporters, one from the Pioneer Press, one from the uh, Star Tribune about what's happening in Minneapolis and St. Paul. But also, I want to hear what's happening in your community as well. Uh, are there some candidates that you are watching? What do you want from your local leaders? Call us at 651 651- one two two seven six thousand again six five one two two seven six thousand or you can call eight hundred two four two twenty eight twenty eight uh let's talk to a, a listener who's on hold in downtown st paul this is wintana good morning wintana what do you want to tell us hi, hi. um well hey y'all my name is wintana like you said downtown st paul um so i've lived in st paul almost all of my life and when I was very young, I never saw a city council that reflected me or my community or really even the majority of St. Paul. And uh, it looks like this amazing slate of women are in a great position to win. And I'm excited to have their diverse uh, voices. One thing I really appreciated from uh, your guests on the show is talking about how different each of these women are mm-hmm. and how they all actually have different policy positions. And I'm excited to see a St. Paul that represents so many different voices and excited to watch them negotiate. Um, And I also want to encourage every listener to not only vote next week, but also make sure that you are two weeks from now, uh, but also make sure you're volunteering, make sure you're door knocking. You know, if you're excited about some races, get involved. And last thing I'll add, I'm also very excited about the city of Minneapolis. I think for a long time, we have been dealing with a lot of gridlock, and it looks like we are going to end up with a, hopefully end up with a progressive majority on that city and we'd be able to actually pass some solid progressive policies and actually correct some of the mistakes that have been happening. I'm really excited for the future of the Twin Cities and what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks on Election Day. Oh, well, Montana, your enthusiasm is contagious. Thank you so much. Uh, Montana is uh, ready to vote, encouraging other people to pay attention, get out there and vote as well. And um, I'm optimistic and excited about the Minneapolis City Council races as well, even though she's in St. Paul, Dave. Yeah, I just want to point something out. Uh, it is she is right that there could be a progressive majority on the Minneapolis City Council, but the mayor is not on the ballot. And if the progressive majority, if that happens and they try to push through some things, you will see gridlock in Minneapolis if they don't have a veto-proof majority, because the mayor will. So nothing will try gets to done. It's entirely possible. I have to sit with that in a minute because that's again what I, I worry about is that uh, if you get you know where in the conversation is you know the p- people expressing that they value working towards compromises because it, it doesn't help us if everybody sits in their position and, and right. is not willing to negotiate. I guess. Well, I guess I when I say when we say nothing gets done, that may be no big changes happen, but it may not. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be nothing gets right. done. Like we're not usually talking about a government shutdown of Minneapolis. Like. Right. They'll, probably be able to figure out a way to pass a budget and keep everything running. But if you want things to change one way or the other, that's where the gridlock happens. All right. Um, and I, you heard her say she's very excited that, about the possibility of uh, just a big shift that we could see in, in, in all-woman city council, right? This has got to make, um, you know, 
you would think this will make more people come out and vote or not. What do you think? Yeah, you know, the interest. That- historically, we've seen two kinds of off-year elections. One that brings out about 30,000 people in St. Paul, which is like 10% of the population. Then yeah. there's then there's the elections where there's something else on the ballot that kind of electrifies things. Maybe there's a referendum ba- ballot question about, you know, should we build a stadium or a twin stadium? You know, and that brings out 60,000 people. I'm guessing this election will be closer to 60,000. We do have a question mm-hmm. on the ballot. Um, would you increase the local sales tax by a percentage point to uh, raise a billion dollars over 20 years for road major road reconstructions? About a fourth of that would go to parks projects, which are pretty popular in St. Paul. So I'm, I'm thinking that's going to get some attention. But you also have ranked choice election, which is bringing all these different groups and ethnicities, and that's going to add some excitement. Let's take a phone call uh, from a listener in Minneapolis. And then uh, this is, is it Andrea or Andrea? Uh, Andrea. Andrea, hi. What did you want to share with us as we talk about city council uh, elections? Yeah, so I um, I recently moved to Minneapolis. And I, I previously was living in a city in which um, people started to get very excited about city council because of a kind of divisive issue, um, namely building townhomes in a park. And so I wasn't able to attend city council meetings when I was living there, but I was watching them online. Um, and it was just fascinating, interesting, and sometimes shocking, um, the the way that city councils talk to each other, reasoned with each other. I mean, I, I feel like if people actually watch city council meetings online, even if they're not able to attend in person, um, they would be much better informed on who they want to vote for. Um, and because of because of my experience there, I kind of became a junkie for watching city council meetings in, in other cities, whether it be where my family lives or I have friends. Um, and I, you know, I... I Recently, someone shared one with me where a city council member um, said to a member of the public, and, and you can look this up, it's like on video, and, and she literally said to him, um, if you've come to government looking for morality, you've come to the wrong place. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is somebody that somebody elected. Um, another one I watched where they were debating something, and one of the city council members continued to choose to debate about something else like that they weren't debating about. Does that make sense? Like the mayor mm-hmm. kept on trying to bring her back and say, no, that's not actually what we're talking about right now. And this was a city council member, but she kept on saying, no, this is important to me. And it's like, you're a city council member. You should know, you know? So anyways, the point of this being people should watch their city council meetings online because you can do it in any city mm-hmm. um, in the, you know, in the Twin Cities. I'm pretty sure everywhere um, you can watch them online, either live or even after the fact. And that will help inform you like, wow, I voted that person, but they kind of don't really align with my values, so I'm probably not going to vote for them again. That's um, a great point. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, um, Andrea, reminding us that, um, and, and that is true in St. Paul and, and Minneapolis, that you can go to the like a city website. And you too. Then, and then you, you hear it all and see it all in real time. Absolutely. Yeah, and, there's li- live YouTube streams yeah. on the city of Minneapolis YouTube channel. You just set it up for alerts and you can become like a court TV junkie. You can be a Minneapolis city yeah, council junkie access. if you want. And then what, I think, you know, I, I've covered city council meetings as a reporter, but you see the interactions and you can yeah. tell, you know, like who's like, even sometimes it's who's even paying attention. Yeah. It's much right? more cordial in St. Paul. I think, <laughs> than, 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 and it's smaller. It's just seven council members. Right. but And they face each other. Remember the physical yeah, space. It's a circle. St. Paul City Council chambers are fairly uh, uncommon. They, they, it's actually a circle intended to be collaborative. Minneapolis is more your standard uh, wall of people, like, mm-hmm. a, like a Supreme Court sort of sort yeah. of thing. But I will say this: I go to city council meetings in person whenever I can, in committee meetings. You pick up things that you do not pick up when you're watching it on 
the, right. the, the TV feed. And I would encourage people, if they have the time and care, to go to those meetings to watch the interactions. You can learn more. But you can certainly – it's by all means worth it to to watch the stream as well. Um, now that we're back in person, um, what are you seeing uh, in terms of attendance at city council meetings? Are people in the community showing up? Not just when there's some big hot-button issue, but are, are you seeing like folks regularly showing up to, to, to come and, and you know participate in you know, the public hearing uh, part yeah. where they can can talk or um, just to watch. Yeah, in Minneapolis, I don't think a ton of people. There, there's some regulars who show up every time, but you know it is the the downtown with parking and, and right. headaches and and stuff. But there are definitely people show up every time. There's there's an, an issue that they care about, um, and there are huge crowds sometimes of activists and advocates who show up when mm-hmm. something controversial comes up. Yeah, All right. agreed. And- Yep. Uh, let's take a, another phone call before we take a news break. Uh, in St. Paul, Bruce is on the phone. Good morning, Bruce. What do you want to tell us as we talk about city council elections? Good morning. I'd like uh, to say that I have two issues in St. Paul. The one, the one that's most critical is the 1% sales tax that's being proposed. I would raise the, uh, the sales tax in St. Paul to almost 10%. It, it concerns me that the... Uh, Reaction to fund roads and parks would come with a sales tax. It seems that political leaders are quick to uh, increase taxes when they could think of other things. For example, with the the loss of revenue from nonprofits being forgiven of their street maintenance fees, the mayor could have chosen to seek voluntary contributions as they did in Boston when this very same thing happened to close that deficit. It worked in Boston I asked Mayor Carter about it. He, he poo-pooed and dismissed it and instead turns to the 1% sales tax. So I think that in St. Paul, we should reject that sales tax proposal because the mayor just wants to automatically raise taxes instead of thinking of every other way he could save a little pain to the taxpayer. The oh. second thing that concerns me is the uh, trash I- issue. Oh, don't bring up the trash in St. Paul. I live in St. Paul, Bruce. This is a big deal, the, the, the trash, trash collection in St. Paul. Well, 2018, as you remember, we had a mm-hmm. referendum on it. Yeah. It was poorly covered by Fred Milo and others, but uh, there, there was a chance for them to settle the issue with a new contract that would have allowed people, single-family residences, to opt out and share carts. And instead, the city council and the mayor kicked the issue down the road for 18 months instead of handling that issue squarely. So mm-hmm. that really concerns me as well. So Bruce, this is a, the, Bruce is a great example. Uh, very personal issues, you know. Absolutely. Taxes, sales taxes, property taxes, trash collection. This is what, you know, city council members and mayors are addressing. So, again, encouraging people to to vote in these elections. And and anything you want to say? I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, he yeah. was not a fan of your coverage. No, not Fred, at all. But that's no, fine. I know, Bruce. That's I, fine. That's fine. That's fine. I, the, only, the only thing I'd say, it's mellow. Fred Mello, not Milo. Um, and the other thing I'd add, you know, groceries aren't taxed in St. Paul. Clothing, we're in the state of Minnesota. Clothing isn't taxed in the state of Minnesota. The restaurants are going to feel this. So you have the Chamber of Commerce mm-hmm. coming out and saying, mm-hmm. you know, they're between the $15 minimum wage and paid sick leave, you know, businesses are, are already taking it on the chin. Our retail sector is really diminished. This is a divisive issue. I don't know which way it's going to go, but what the mayor would say is if, if you don't 
pay for it this way with a sales tax increase, expect it to go on property taxes. You're paying for this either way. At least this way, we capture the visitors to the city, and we have a lot of visitors going to Como mm-hmm. Park or the state capital um, mm-hmm. when, when they you know pull over and get something and buy something taxable. Hockey games. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. All right, we're talking about what's on the ballot on Election Day this year. Election Day coming up. Tuesday, November 7th, in a week and a half. Uh, check out who's running for city council in your community. This hour, we're focusing on the candidates. Who's running for city council uh, across Minnesota? Uh, and I want to hear from you. The phone lines are open. Uh, tell us what matters most to you uh, when it comes to the leaders of your local government. Are there some candidates that you are closely following? What's going on in your town? Join the conversation. Call us at 651-227-6000, or you can call us at 800 242 2828. And also want to let you know that next Thursday, we're going to continue the conversation about Election Day. And we're going to talk about this. It's the first year of restored voting rights for many formerly incarcerated people, people with felony records. It's a change that was approved during the the last legislative session. And so next Thursday, my guest and I will talk about the effort to register thousands of newly eligible voters in Minnesota and the movement to get those new voters to exercise their voting rights. That's next Thursday morning at 9. Uh, I want to take a phone call from a listener. Uh, we've got Kathy on the phone. Uh, Kathy is in Southwest Minnesota. Hi, Kathy. Hi. Hi, Hi Angela. Hi, and I see in my Hi. notes here, you're a council member? Yes, I am. I'm newly elected to a very small town in Southwest Minnesota. I just moved here a couple of years ago. Tell us what and, town. What um, town are you in, Kathy? <laughs> uh, Morton. Okay. All right. And Tiny we, little town. All right. Yes. What, what did you want to share with us? Well, I kind of didn't want to say, I want to share that as of one, I'm the only female on the board mm. and I, I sometimes get frustrated um, because I don't feel sometimes that I'm heard and I also don't get eye contact a lot of times from the other male and, um, mm-hmm. and I love the people I work with, you know, that I'm on the council with, but, you know, I kind of feel as a female that I'm kind of just like just there. And I want to be more heard and, you know, and everything. So I just would like to know if there's any advice, um, anything that I could be suggested that would, you know, help with, with those dynamics. Um, and you- I also want to encourage women in rural Minnesota, please, please be on a council. Even, you know, step up to the plate. Um, there's such a need in these small towns for leadership. Mm-hmm. And Kathy, what has your uh, interaction been with maybe the uh, reporters uh, in your county or, or do your council meetings uh, or your community, do you get much news, news coverage? No, we don't. Our little town, um, we could submit our minutes to the local paper, but uh, we just haven't. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's the other thing, too. But um, we do have regular people there, and mm-hmm. uh, there are there's there's good interaction with that. And um, we just try to move forward and trying to do things for this small community. Well, Kathy, thank you for your service, for stepping mm-hmm. up, getting off the sidelines and serving yeah. on your city council. And uh, we wish oh, you okay. well. And so um, she brings up a, a great point of, of who is, is choosing to run for these seats because it's uh, not a party. And it can be uh, difficult standing your own and being heard. Uh, anything you would like to say about you know being in her situation? Yeah, I would just say that, you know, we talked at the beginning about the diversity of candidates and everything that that's true in the in the cities and in the metro. But she is absolutely right in greater Minnesota and and even in in still plenty of suburbs. uh, You are talking about white men 
that uh, are, are generally running city government. I was just, we were having a conversation in the newsroom the other day and somebody was pointing out a, a couple of women on uh, for a small town who were on the ballot and somebody said, is would that be the first woman ever elected in that town? And the reporter scratched his head and said, "I don't know. It might. It might be. I need to look that up." Uh, so let's not forget 2023. that. Twenty twenty three. Yeah, in twenty twenty three, a lot of places is are not as diverse in their elected officials mm-hmm. as we sometimes think in here in the metro. Mm. Um, I asked you during the break. I was like, "Wait a minute! I don't even know the answer answer, answer to this." City council members in Minneapolis and St. Paul, uh, they get. Compensation. They have salaries. So uh, what can you tell us in general about the salaries? Uh, Fred, I'll ask you in St. Paul. What do St. Paul City Council members make? What do they get paid? So, so it's half what the mayor makes. So it's about $70,000 in St. Paul, give, give or take a little bit. Um, and that's that's not too shabby for a part-time job. You can, you can have another job outside. Well, that's I was going to ask. Are these full-time jobs for people or are they part-time jobs and they have other full-time jobs? They're, they're you know, right. it, it really depends on the council member. But um, we have uh, a council member who works for Hennepin County Attorney's Office in the Civil Division and is also sitting on the city council. You know, we have people who work for advocacy groups. We have people who, you know, do a little bit of legal consulting here and there. Um, and then there's people who this is it. Maybe mm-hmm. they're retired or maybe this is all they're doing. But um, that's business it. owners, it's just probably a wide variety. You, you know, you, you know, the, the, one of the criticisms of the city council is that it's really been devoid of business owners. That in oh. terms of people saying, I've got staff, I've got huh. this business. You know, there, there's one person shops that say, hey, I'll do some consulting for you. I've got a law degree. Um, but that's about it. They're, huh. they're, they're, we, we don't really see a person saying, hey, I, I got to get back to the store. Tell us about the money, uh, Minneapolis City Council. What do city council members make, Dave? Uh, it's about one hundred and six thousand a year. Uh, it is I intended did not know to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's not a bad living. It's intended to be full time, basically. And uh, the council members, it, they end up treating it like a like a full time job. I mean, uh, many in St. Paul do as well. But you know. The, the comment about business owners is absolutely true. The time commitment for a, a city council member um, is big. And especially if they – I mean it doesn't have to be. But if they want to do a good job with their constituent services, if they want to – all those complaints and questions that they get. Give people about, access to them. Yep, absolutely. It, it is very, very time-consuming and it's not nine to five. You know, a lot of, a lot of uh, community meetings, if you want to meet with your people about a problem, well – they're working nine to five, maybe, and they're going to want to meet with you after hours. But there no, are there requirements like as to how much access, how much time you give to it? No, no, I, I don't believe no. so. Although no, they I've have never heard of that. Yeah, they they have staffs that mm-hmm. that are are full time employees or full time city employees. But there's not a punch card. There's not a they mm-hmm. don't clock in and clock out. But you know that's it's a democracy, right? So if word gets out that somebody is you know, slacking on the job, then that's a, a weakness that an opponent opponent can exploit. And some of the incumbents are being attacked uh, in this campaigns right now as being non-responsive to residents' concerns. Or, or missing key votes. I, you know, I've mm-hmm. written that story. You've probably written that story about when the council a meeting, member. a key vote and then you're not there. And then you're not there. You're on vacation mm-hmm. in Europe or something. That never mm-hmm. looks good in the press. Uh, I drive around St. Paul a lot because I live in St. Paul. I'm seeing yard signs a lot. Uh, are you seeing a lot of yard signs? Yeah, what? I am seeing a lot, a lot of yard signs. There, There's some money behind there. And in Minneapolis, a lot of yard signs up for city council races. Yeah, yeah, they're they're going up now, and and they're they're going up heavy. And mailers are coming out, door knockings in full swing. You know, the key Fred was talking about turnout earlier in a in an off year election like this. Uh, the key is turnout. If you want to win, um, it, it, anybody could win in this election if they can muster 
enough votes. In other words, th- there is not a a minimum sort of uh, threshold that's gonna that's gonna carry everything. Um, and so you're you're seeing these campaigns really starting to ramp up their. Um, their get-out-the-vote efforts. Uh, let's take another phone call from a listener as we talk about city council races across Minnesota, uh, particularly in Minneapolis and St. Paul, and and what people care about when we look at candidates for city council and what are the issues that council members are voting on. 651-227-6000, the number to call. In Minneapolis, Dan is on the phone. Dan, thank you for waiting. And what do you want to share with us about uh, this upcoming election? Thanks so much for taking my call, Angela. Yeah, my name's Dan. I live in Ward 11 in Minneapolis. Um, and two years ago, uh, Emily Kosky, my current council member, um, ran and sent out a mailer that had just simply a picture of that incumbent, Jeremy Schrader, um, at a Black Lives Matter protest, protesting the um, the murder of George Floyd. And so I think I wanted to just point to that and highlight that as a Minneapolis mem- uh, resident, I'm really concerned about sincerity around tackling systemic race, uh, systemic racism and, and racialized poverty and violence um, and how that issue shows up in things like rent control, affordable housing, subsidizing uh, uh, stadiums with tax dollars, um, as opposed to weaponizing protests and saying that um, uh, being concerned about these issues is, is too radical and, and, and um, leaning on fear uh, in, in their campaign. So um, that, that's just something that is really important to me and something mm-hmm. I'm paying really close attention to in this election. Thank you, Dan. And then what can you say about the, the platforms that we're seeing uh, a lot of these candidates uh, be really vocal about? What are some of the issues that you're seeing, Dave? Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely a police reform and uh, racial reconciliation or lack thereof. Uh, th- those are big issues. I will say the ward that he's talking about, Emily Kosky, is on the ballot. She does have an opponent, um, Gabriel Prosser. Uh, I, Emily Kosky is aligned with the, with the mayor right now, um, generally speaking on the, on that center left coalition that controls the council. And, uh, I think any of the incumbents who are on that, that sort of wing of the council hear that criticism quite a bit. The one that the caller just, uh, that Dan was just, just talking about. In um, in St. Paul, what are some of the the issues that you see come up a lot? Um, you, you know what's funny? This year more than ever, I'm hearing nuts and bolts. Like, oh my goodness, the roads. <laughs> as, as opposed to how dare you try to hire more police or we have tension with our police. Um, if, if anything, uh, some of the most diverse neighborhoods like Frogtown, some university, you have eight people on the ballot in that ranked choice ballot. Um, and there's no DFL endorsement. There was a big walkout after 10 hours. They couldn't pick somebody. Um, and people were taking the mic and saying property taxes are too high and couldn't get to work. The roads are badly plowed or, 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 or we, we need to rethink our approach to roads. Um, let's take another phone call from a listener uh, in St. Paul. James is on the phone. James, thanks for calling in. And what do you want to tell us about the uh, upcoming elections and, and what you want to see with the city council? Yeah, thanks. Um yeah, well, I'm on the uh, east side of uh, St. Paul. I've lived here for about seven years. We recently moved from Ward 6 to Ward 5. And um, I think uh, the issue that's been on the minds of, you know, my neighbors and myself is just the uh, – um, a lot of crime gunshots are heard recently. One of the houses on um, our block actually has been a source of um, – drugs and gun violence and response from one city official when we've tried to reach out 
um, I was told that, you know, I could buy a gun or I could just, or I could just move. Um, and so, um, and I was a little, um, I had to chuckle when one, a volunteer for one of the uh, candidates door knocked and said that, um, renters need more rights because it is a rental property. Um, uh, in any case, um, that is an issue that I'm going to be paying close attention to. Um, and actually one of my neighbors, um, is, uh, you know, has been a good listener, uh, on the issue, um, Pam Tolleson. So I've been. So James, towards again, you're concerned about, uh, issues with crime. Yes. Right. Uh, that's a great point. I think in general, in any community, crime concerns. What are we seeing in, in the, the candidates? What are they saying about their positions on uh, addressing crime? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's definitely uh, a push, I think, among a lot of candidates to, to kind of mirror some of the, the mayor's rhetoric about getting upstream of crime, doing more community outreach, street ambassadors, as opposed to just um, more squad cars, more police, um, and, and kind of arresting our way out of that. But at, as I think James articulated, there's a frustration there that even Absolutely. though, you know, nationally gunshots are down a bit and, and homicides back to maybe 2019 levels, 2019 levels were pretty high, um, especially right. compared to this big decline we saw in crime uh, 20 years ago. Um, so, yeah, I think that's going to continue to be an issue. Um, right now, if your garage is broken into and St. Paul, and I know this from experience, and someone steals your bike, the police don't come. They have you fill out a form online. Because um, it happens so much. Because it happens so much, and they don't that. have the manpower and the staffing, and and what, they're not going to, you know, fill up the fingerprint lab with fingerprints over a bike. Mm-hmm. So that kind of thing kind of rankles. At the same time, um, there's a lot of good people in St. Paul who say, "Look, you can't arrest every kid who steals a bike and expect a better kid at the end of that experience." Um, so there's definitely a tension there over how do we kind of uh, deal with things like juvenile justice reform and um, prison reentry um, without just ignoring the rights of the victims. Right. We just have a minute left. I want uh, each of you to let us know what can I find uh, on the Pioneer Press website that might help me uh, in addition to following your stories. But- yeah, there's a TwinCities.com. I, th- uh, I think it's backslash elections, but TwinCities.com. We've broken out each race uh, for city council, for school board, and outside of St. Paul, Ramsey County, D- 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 Dakota County, Washington County, um, just by, you know, here's four questions, here's four bio points on each council member and Excellent. each candidate and their mugshot. And the Star Tribune has a voter guide? We do. For Minneapolis, St. Paul, and Duluth, and you can you could, should just be able to Google those. Uh, voter guide, Minneapolis... 2023 Star Tribune. All right. Well, I appreciate the work that you both do. Thank you for your time today. I I appreciate your newsrooms allowing us to borrow you for a little bit this morning. We've been talking uh, with our two guests, Fred Mello, a reporter for the Pioneer Press who covers St. Paul's Mayor's Office and the City Council, as well as Dave Oreck, a reporter for the Star Tribune who covers the Minneapolis City Council and city government. Also want to let you know, NPR News, we're here for you. We're tracking some of the local elections and answering questions for voters statewide. So for more coverage on school board and municipal elections, go to nprnews.org. All right, we'll talk again tomorrow morning at 9. Thanks for listening to a recording of my live radio show on NPR News. A reminder that if you want to catch my show in real time, tune in and call in weekdays at 9 a.m.